I thank you that when you said the word, there was light. When you said, let there be light, there was. Lord, I, I thank you that when we say the name of Jesus, it brings light into our life. Lord, where there's darkness, we, we declare the name of Jesus over it and light comes into our life. We thank you for the power of just the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you that we are your children. Jesus lives in us. Lord, we thank you that we are filled with the power that Jesus carried. We thank you for the Holy Spirit, Lord. And Lord, we pray that you shine your light over the words that are spoken this morning. Let them sink into our hearts, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you can be seated, everyone. Garen mentioned this morning that it's um, pretty cold here. I can testify to that. I, um, I, had to, I was chopping wood yesterday as well, but it was, um, it was only to get warm that I went out to chop wood. <laughs> um, yeah. So last, last weekend, Pastor Garen and I came back from Sri Lanka, and it was uh, 27 to 30 degrees every day. A range of three degrees every day. And um, in my last uh, experience in Sri Lanka was uh, I had bought a postcard and, um, and it was for my mum. And I wanted to post it from Sri Lanka to her so it had the stamps and, and everything. But um, I, was, I was looking out for a post office around metres down the road from the airport. And so me and another friend who had written to his mother as well with his postcard, we, um, we ran down to the post office at, in 30 degree heat and, uh, and uh, we, we didn't realise but the post office, were, they were on strike, so um, ready to post letters open their mothers and, uh, and so we lined up in, in 30 degree heat and, uh, and then it started to rain and uh, then we, we, were, we were a bit late, we, we should have been checked into the airport already so we had to run back through the rain in 30 degree heat, and it was steamy, it was hot, and, um, and so then we, we hopped on the plane and we came home. And uh, then we got to Canberra you know, in the middle of the day, and uh, me and Garen had both had shorts on, and, and it was four, four degrees, and, uh, and it was a big shock to us. And uh, so, yes, it's a bit cold. Yeah, it's, um, it's freezing, actually. <laughs> uh, this morning, I want to talk, to, talk about um, moving from performance to grace, uh, moving from a performance-based Christianity to a grace-based Christianity. You could say uh, moving from law to grace. We've heard that many times in church. We talk about the law, we talk about grace and, uh, and, and what it means, but uh, the, the, the law, I just, just want to talk about it for a little while. The law was set up around the Israelites when they were taken out of Egypt. They were slaves and so they were controlled by the Egypts. And so God set up a law to, um, to help them from straying too far and, and as a guidance for them. And this law carried on until uh, Jesus came along as a guidance. And it was, if you didn't follow the law, you had to 
um, do a sacrifice, you had to cleanse yourself, you had to, you had to go through a procedure. And then uh, and Jesus came, and he, Jesus studied as a, as a rabbi when he was younger. And uh, he studied through his younger years. But in those days, to be a recognized rabbi, you, um, you had to be of age, you had to be 30 years old. And so he, he, that, that was the age where you, they realized that you uh, had experience, you had knowledge, and you were worth listening to. And, uh, and so he went through uh, studying, but he also lived through the law. And he completed the law, and he finished the law, had actually, because of the law, done it without uh, falling short of the law, but he did so. And, uh, and John the Baptist um, was the, the person that baptized Jesus, and that's when God uh, anointed him. And, uh, and that was when he was 30. And when he came up from uh, being baptized... Uh, a, a dove from heaven descended on him. That was God anointing him. But he, he said the words, it is finished. And we, we sung that this morning. And uh, it, it is finished. And he's, that, that's only uh, in the Bible twice from Jesus. Once on the cross when he said it's finished. The, the forgiveness of sins. You know, that's, that's what he came to do. It's finished. But he also said it at his baptism. It is finished. And he was talking about the law. I've finished the law. I've completed it. I've spent my younger years growing up, and I've fully completed it. And so Jesus now, having completed the law, he was no longer under the law. He was no longer controlled by the law like everyone else was. And so he then went on to preach grace. And all through the gospel, he was preaching grace to people who only knew how to be under the law. And so that's, that's pretty amazing. And Jesus went on to say that I'm going to leave this place, but I'm going to send someone that is just like me and send the Holy Spirit who is not controlled by the law either. And he's going to live in you and dwell in you. And because the Holy Spirit is not controlled by the law, neither are you when the Holy Spirit is in you. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Not being controlled. So we are, we're not controlled either. We're not controlled by the law. Garen preached uh, last week about living stones. It was an amazing message. If you, yeah, can I get an amen? <laughs> if you haven't heard that, get online and have a listen to it. It's, it was really good. Um, he talked about the, God building his church out of living stones. And he chooses us to be his stones, his living stones that he builds the church from. He's the one that chooses us. And the term living stones as opposed to just stones means that we have emotions where any living thing has got emotions, is alive, uh, can act on its own behalf. And so up days and we have deaths. And I think that's just amazing because sometimes I think, why would God want to use me, especially when I'm having a down day or something like that? But no, God knew I was going to have a down day, and he still chose me, and he still chose you as well. Also mentioned last week, Pastor Garen also mentioned that um, on this rock, I'll build my church, 
It's, that was when Jesus was talking about Peter, Simon Peter, Simon with his name changed to Peter. So Simon's the reed, easily swayed about, easily broken, but he changed his name to Peter, which is rock or stone, and he's a living stone, and on this rock or on this living stone I'll build my church. Now that's pretty cool. So God uses us to build his church. I want to look at, at the, the life of Peter through the gospel. And I want to look at his emotions, his ups and downs, and his journey from performance to grace. So if you'd like to turn, turn to Luke 5, and we'll start from verse 4. This is the call of this is the call of Simon or the the call of Simon Peter. When he had finished when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your net to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch anything, didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let down my nets again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout out for help brought their partners in, in their other boats. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realised what had happened, he fell at his knees before Jesus and said, O oh Lord, please leave me. I'm, a, I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish he had caught, as were the others that were with him. His partners, James and John, sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied, Simon, don't be afraid. From now on you'll be, catching, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Everyone say, followed Jesus. Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. Law-based. Has anyone felt like that? I'm such a sinful person. I'm not worthy. It's, uh, it's going off... If it's going off our performance. I, I'm, I've underperformed, and, and God's set a standard, and I'm not at that standard. I, I don't deserve any of this. It's so law-based. It's all about me. It's all about what I've done. But Jesus, his reply was, don't be afraid. I'm calling you to a greater thing. I'm going to to help you to fish for men. I'm going to use what you have. You're a fisherman. You use that. It's a trade for you. You obviously do it well. I'm going to use that, but I'm going to challenge you and I'm going to take it further. I'm going to call you higher. So come with me. See, it's, I'm not worthy, but God, you are. You are worthy. Garen mentioned that this morning. He is worthy. Holy, holy is the Lord. He is worthy. 
We don't feel worthy sometimes, but he is worthy. Yeah. See, Peter, Jesus called Peter, and Peter was in Jesus' inner circle. It was Peter, James, and John. They were chosen to be the closest to Jesus. On, on the Mount of Transfiguration, he, uh, he left the others behind, called those three uh, further, closer to his presence. And they were, they, were, they were closer to him. So Peter followed Jesus very closely through these years. He was on the inner circle. Um, we'll continue from Matthew 26. This is, uh, there's going to be a little bit of reading this morning, but I, I want you to stick with this journey and, and try, to, um, try to catch a little bit of it and try to see yourself in parts of it if you can. Now, this was just as they had, had dinner together. On the way, Jesus told them, Tonight all of you will desert, will desert me, for the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised from the dead, I'll go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter. This very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you ever know me. You will deny that you ever know me. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. First he said, I'm not going to desert you. And then he said, even if I have to die with you, Jesus, I will never deny you. Have you ever been in a weak spot in your life where you've, you've said to God, I'm, you know, I'm never going to do that again? I've, you know, God, I'm sorry, I'm never going to do it again. I have, plenty of times. God, I'm, yep, never going to do it. I can see myself not ever doing it again, but then you do it again. What about, um, God, if you do this for me, then I'll do this for you. Yeah? I've, uh, I've done that. I, uh, I remember when I was young, I used to have a fear that I would, wouldn't get married and I wouldn't find a wife. And, um, and I, I, I looked everywhere. I looked in the pubs, I looked in the clubs, I looked at parties, and, and I couldn't find a wife. And I said, God, if you, if you give me a wife, I'll, I'll read my Bible every day. <laughs> and, uh, and I found my wife. And um, guess where I found her? In church, yeah. <laughs> um, so I've still got a couple of days to catch up on. <laughs> no, I, uh, God kept his end of the deal. But I, I think he would have said to me that if you had have been reading your Bible every day, you'd realise you're not in a position to bargain with me. <laughs> yeah, and so we sometimes we find ourselves doing that, but... God wants the best for us, like Garen said this morning. He wants more than He's got more than enough for us, and He wants more than the best for us as well. Let's continue from John 18. John 
Simon Peter followed Jesus, as did another, as did another of the disciples. That other disciple was acquainted with the high priest, so he was allowed to enter the high priest's courtyard with Jesus. This was just after Jesus was taken to the courts. He was so Peter and this other disciple went after him. They followed him. Peter had to stay outside the gate. Then the disciple who knew the high priest spoke to the woman watching at the gate, and she said, "Let Peter in." Uh, and she let Peter in. The woman asked Peter, "You're not one of the, that man's disciples, are you?" "No," he said, "I'm not." Number one, because it was cold. The household servants and the guards had made a charcoal fire. Everyone say charcoal fire. They stood around it, warming themselves. And Peter stood with them, warming himself. I just wanted you to say charcoal fire because I'm still a bit cold. (laughs) Meanwhile, uh, verse uh, 25. Meanwhile, as some Peter was standing by the fire, warming himself, they asked him again, You're not one of those disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, no, I'm not. Number two. But once, but one of the household slaves of the high priests, a relative of the man whose ear Peter cut off, asked, didn't I see you out there in the olive grove with Jesus? Again, Peter denied it, and immediately the rooster crowed. In Matthew it says, Peter swore, and cursed, and said, I do not know this man. He was obviously, found himself in a bit of a pickle, a bit of a state, and he was defending himself by swearing and cursing. Suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind before the rooster crows. But um, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you even know me. And Peter went away weeping bitterly. So the rooster crowing was a trigger in Peter's mind of what Jesus said. We can have triggers in our mind that, that in, they're, they're so instant they take us right back to the memory or the, or the words of, of what's said or the, the moment in time. And it says, also says in Matthew that, um, that Peter started to follow Jesus at a distance. See, he was once the, Peter, Peter was once Jesus' closest disciple, one of three closest disciples. Then he started following Jesus at a distance. And then the rooster crows and triggers condemnation in, his, in himself. He's, he's immediately condemned by his performance and he didn't cut it. He didn't make it. I said I was not going to, but I did it. And, uh, and so the connection here with, with Peter following Jesus at a distance and then hearing condemnation, it's a, it's a massive thing. Distance and the shame and the guilt, it, it causes pullback. It causes Peter to pull back and he ran away weeping bitterly. And, uh, and the same thing can happen in our life when we... When we they don't, or they, they would bring condemnation to us. They don't. But when we start to follow Jesus at a distance, 
things can start be triggering in our mind. And, and this rooster crowing is, is the devil saying, you're not good enough. You're not good enough for what Jesus is calling you to. Even this morning when you, when you come in and worship in church, you might hear the sound of a rooster. It, the devil saying, you know, where have you been all, all year? Why haven't you been to church for so long? You know, it's the crow of a rooster. Have you, ever, have you ever felt that? You're trying to push through. You're trying to get close to God, to Jesus. But there's something in you saying, no, you're not good enough. You know, there's, for some reason, you, you know, you're not good enough to push through here. You should just go back to what you were doing. In John 21, it says, Peter says, I'm going back to fishing. I'm going back to what I used to do. I'm going back to what I'm good at. I can't cut it to what Jesus was calling me to. He was calling me to bigger things, and I've proven myself to not be able to do it. I just can't make it. John 21.3, I'm going back fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went back to the boat, but they, they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach. This was after Jesus had been put to death and he had been resurrected. So he was the resurrected body of Jesus, standing on the beach. But the disciples couldn't see him. They couldn't see who he was. And he yelled out, Fellas, have you caught any fish? And they replied, No. Then he said, Throw your net onto the right side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. And this is deja vu. This is, this is the same miracle. This is the same, exactly the same miracle as when Jesus called Peter. Jesus has, has set up the identical miracle for Peter. And, and the disciples stop and they're like, Hang on, do you know who this is? This is Jesus. And why why has he set up the same miracle? It's because he's saying to Peter, I knew you were going to mess up. I knew you were going to be able to follow through with what you said. I knew you were going to fall. I knew you were going back to what you did before. But this is an opportunity for a fresh start. This is an opportunity for a new beginning. I want you to do it again. I'm calling you to go. I'm calling you to, to the same call. I'm encouraging you. This is brand new. A shot at forgiveness and restoration. Verse 9. When they got there, they found breakfast was waiting for them. Fish cooked over a charcoal fire. Say so charcoal fire. And some bread. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus had asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Verse 19, Jesus says, Jesus told him to follow him. Follow me. Jesus prepares a meal of restoration, of forgiveness. He knew Peter's heart, but Peter didn't know his heart. Peter knew his performance. He'd know, he knew he stuffed up. That's why he went back. But Jesus was calling him again. And Jesus' purpose was to get Peter to recognize his, Peter's heart, to recognize that Peter still loved Jesus, and that's what mattered, not what he had done. It mattered what Jesus had done. Why the charcoal fire? Charcoal fires only in the Bible twice. And it's when Peter denied Jesus. And it's here. When Jesus had cooked a breakfast on the charcoal fire. Our sense of smell is the strongest sense that we have. I don't know if you know that. But there's, um, there's a, a, bowl, a factory... Um, I, I can't remember. Look it up on Google. There's a there's something in our in our nose, and and the nerves run straight through, and they touch on two parts of our brain. And so when we smell something, we can instantly go back to a memory of the same smell. And uh, I'm sure you've experienced that. I, I experience that all the time. Uh, I can I can smell something. It can take me back to when I was four years old, and I I don't remember much from when I was four. But a memory, a, a, a sense of smell can trigger something and take me straight there instantly. Now, the, the, this was on the beach, and there's so much driftwood along the beach. You can walk on any beach around here, you'd find driftwood everywhere. And Jesus could have built a fire, but now it says he built a charcoal fire. So he would have had to bring along the charcoal to, to build this fire, to replicate this same fire that, that Peter was warming himself on when he denied Jesus. And the rooster crowed. He instantly felt condemnation. So every moment from this point, every time he smelt a charcoal fire, which he would have, because that's how they warmed themselves, he would instantly remember that condemnation. He would instantly hear the crowing of that rooster and remember, I'm not good enough for this. I, I, I feel like sometimes I, I'm good for this call. I, I, you know, I'm making a difference, but then I remember, yeah, I'm just not good enough. This call is meant for someone else. You know, I, I should just go back fishing. But Jesus, not, not only did he cook a meal of restoration, he wanted to change Peter. He wanted to rewrite Peter's mind so that when he started to smell this charcoal fire, he would remember God's grace and not his performance. That's what Jesus wants to do for us. He wants to rewrite ourselves, our minds, so that we don't look at his grace. And that's how we judge ourselves worthy. Because he is worthy and he is in us. 
And that makes us worthy. That makes us fit for the call that he is calling us to do. Our call is supposed to be uncomfortable. It's supposed to be out of reach. It's supposed to be hard to do. If you're feeling like this call is hard and it's difficult and I can't do it, good. That's how God wants it. He wants to keep on calling you all through your life. And if you see his grace, you'll see that you're worthy and be able to reach what he is calling you to. The same voice that denied him, Peter's same voice that said, I don't know this man, with swearing and cursing, was the same voice that said to the lame man, silver and gold I have none, but in Jesus' name, get up and walk. The same voice that denied him was the same voice that preached at Pentecost and saw 3,000 come into the kingdom of God. And later on, two chapters later, he preached again and another 5,000 came to be saved, to, to know Jesus. This is the same voice that denied him, the same person that felt he wasn't worthy, that felt condemnation. This was the guy that Jesus had believed in. He didn't believe in himself, but Jesus kept on calling you. I've restored you. I've called you again. It's a fresh beginning. The, um, this meal that Jesus prepared, he already had the fish. He already had the bread. Peter and the disciples didn't need to bring anything to this meal. He's saying the same to you. You don't need to bring anything to be restored. I've got it all. I've done it all. I've finished it. I've completed the law and I'm giving the grace to you. I've got it all for you. Come to me for restoration. Come to me for a new calling, a fresh calling. Come to me for encouragement. Can I get the band up, please? I just want to mention a, a few groups of people that, that God's got a call on all of our lives and, uh, and, he, and he, he keeps on calling us and sometimes we don't step up because we don't think we can do it. But uh, he wants to use what you've got. Like Peter, he was a fisherman. You used that and turned him into a fisher of men. And God wants to use you do. God, I want to encourage you to, with that. Also, God wants a, a relationship with you. I, I don't know everyone here, but God's, God's picked you out. He's called you. He's, he wants you to be one of his living stones. He wants to build his church with you. And uh, he wants a relationship with you. You're a living stone. You're an emotion, emotional being. You have your ups and downs. You have your good days, your bad days. And God wants to use you. He's, he's picked you out. And so if today you don't know him, then, then I'll pray later on and, and give you the opportunity to invite him into your life and start that journey of restoration and grace-filled life. There's, there's also the other group of, of people that have started to follow Jesus at a distance. 
And uh, that's, that's when Peter recognised uh, the condemnation when he was not close to Jesus. And God wants you close so that you don't see performance. You don't see your own performance. He wants you to see his grace. And he's calling you back. He's calling you closer. Let him fill you with his grace. Can I have everyone to close their, their eyes and heads bowed? If you're, if you're in the group that, that doesn't know Jesus, but wants to start this journey of grace with him, with everyone's eyes closed, just, just lift your eyes to see me so I can see that that's, you want to start this new journey with him. Great. For those that don't feel that close to Jesus, but you want a second chance, you want a new beginning. Let's pray. Let's pray for that. Lord, we thank you that you're always calling us. You're always calling us close. You want us to draw near so that you can fill us with your grace and your love. Lord, I thank you that it doesn't matter about our performance. Lord, I'm so thankful that it doesn't matter about our performance, but it matters what you com- about what you completed and what you have done and your victory, Lord. We thank you for giving us your victory. We thank you for filling us with your spirit of power, of love and of peace, of victory. Yes. Lord, we thank you that you're always stirring us on. You're always pushing, but with you and Lord, you complete. So fill us anew, afresh, Lord, so that we can keep stepping on further and closer to you, so that we, like Peter, can, can see thousands come to know you. Use us, God. Use what we've got. Let it shine. Thank you, Lord.
this morning, Lord. We want to hear it daily. Thank you for calling us. Thank you for bringing everything that was needed. service there. We're just going to hang here and do this a bit longer. If you're in, in the middle of something with the Lord, just stay put. You're fine. Otherwise, have a cuppa, find some sun, have a great day. Combined service tonight, six o'clock. Shake. 
promise hanging on every word that you say. And my soul will hang on every word you say For I know your love will never, never fade And I know I'll hang on every word you Start at